the mock-up, early logo, prototype, Uzai Hoth Stormtrooper. Absolute grail. All kids love log. Tis the podcast log. Yes, log. Of the Star Wars Collector's Archive blog. Yes, log. Whenever the Star Wars Collector's Archive publishes a new blog, this podcast will log its contents, interview its writers, and go deeper. It's the Kivecast Blog Log Pod. You, sir, are a mouthful. Relax and just take life easy for a little while. Because it's only lasts for a little while. All right, Steve. Well, Steve. All right, Steve. Well, we, we don't do our usual openings uh, no, on the no. blog log pods. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to say uh, the words I usually say um, that rhymes with Tampa Tampa. But uh, it, we, we didn't do a show last month, Steve. No, no. November was a, a crazy month, as it turned out. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm I'm getting ready to go to a a conference in Switzerland. Right. Um, and so I've been super busy, and I've had family stuff and all that. So we are going to record another episode in December. So this is just a quick blog log pod to feature Joe Iglesias and to get him back on the show uh, after yeah. quite a hiatus. And, yeah. And uh, and so I, I think you know we are going to do. I don't know if it's going to be Christmas. Christmas with Bib Fortuna episode. <laughs> it's the worst Christmas ever. A Christmas Carol with Bib Fortuna and Scrooge. Okay. I'm going to have to write a Bib Fortuna Christmas song. I guess it's. I, I think I think that's what that's how you're going to heal. Actually. Yes. Uh, and and it's uh, so we'll see. I'll try to record something in Switzerland. Steve, is there anything Star Wars related in Switzerland? Oh man, uh, I don't know. Nothing that comes off the top of my head, so but I, uh, it I, could be. <laughs> I, I have a theory about this, Steve. Okay, they're they're neutral. So they, <laughs> anything called war, they don't care about because they just wouldn't participate, right? Ah, uh, but see, they yeah, that that works. I mean, I, think, I think about that... it. Belgium, you got Star Wars toys. Germany you got Star Wars toys. You know, Italy, France, England, America, Switzerland. Nope. <laughs> There's no star neutral. No, that's true. Yeah. Well, I hope you discover something. Maybe you never know. <laughs> I'll be looking around, but we're we're gonna yeah. have to to get a hold of Joe because this is not yes. our usual kind of slip sloppy, jib jobby kind of episode uh, where we quick quick hits here. Right, yeah. quick. Everyone, pick up a brick and throw it through Joe's window. It's bootleg time on the Kivecast. Hey Joe, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? So Joe, here's the here's the thing, right? So if people are just listening to the show for the first time in a long time, they might not know that you are one of the absolute most important guests in the history of the podcast. We we used I doubt that much. No, it's absolutely true. We had a feature with Joe. We called it Brick Through Joe's Window, um, which was in honor of one of his songs off of his punk band's album, uh, the The Usual Suspects. And is that, is that right, Joe? Yep, we are very much defunct right now. In fact, our original guitar player uh, passed away a few months ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. That's, that's the worst yeah. way to be. Unfortunately, that's not. Yeah. yeah I mean, we're, we're actually talking about doing something again musically, but he, you know, obviously he 
no longer with us and I would, wouldn't be right to do anything without him. So yeah. Well, yeah. well, sorry, sorry to hear that, but we are happy to have you back on. So I wanted to see well, thank if you. either of you could guess the last month and year <laughs> that Joe was on the podcast. So he was on every pod, he was on every month for about a year and a half, and then he's been on a slight hiatus. So uh, let's see, Steve, what is your guess for the last time Joe was on oh. the show? Yeah, my sense of time is so out of whack that I, I'm thinking about this. I would guess like. So I have to go month too, yeah. huh? What about? I'm just gonna go right in the the middle, June, 2014. Okay. What, what's your guess, Joe? Hmm, that's a tough call. I'd guess somewhere in 2015, but the month I'm not sure. Well, I would guess maybe probably probably like say August, just just for the sake of. Uh, for the sake of guessing something. Well, that's what's fun yes. about about time and about when we talk about the important thing in collecting, and Joe, you're going to get to this when you tell us about your amazing grail, uh, is that time is really relative. It was July 2012. That was the last time what? that Joe, <laughs> wow. that we threw a brick through Joe's window. He's maybe been on like once or twice, like you know, saying something here or there, but that was the R5D4 episode, I believe, was the oh last real episode where we had Joe on. So maybe some space freaks out there can correct me, but I, I believe that was the last time. So welcome back at that, long last show. That is that is insane. Wow. That is yeah, I de- definitely didn't realize it had been that long. It doesn't oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, we're we're um we're gonna we're gonna right the wrong now. This is yes. <laughs> yeah. God. So so wow. Joe, what we wanted to talk about, we wanted to do two things today. One, we want to fundamentally redefine the term grail which was spurred on by your email from earlier. And the others, we want to talk about your amazing find. So I'll, I'll let you drive. What do you want to start with first, Joe? Okay, well, I've made no qualms about the fact that I feel the term grail is very much overused in the hobby. Um, so many people use it to you know, describe readily available pieces that, as long as you have the money to pay for them, are out there. Right. Nothing that involves any true hunting or even waiting for it if you have the cash in your pocket you can go on ebay and buy five of them right yeah right. i i can't i can't in my brain you know grasp how that's considered a grail to some people i can understand it being a goal piece and a piece that might be desirable but if that is your be all end all of collecting i i you know set your set your sights higher i guess right and it's it's tricky because to a certain extent like a grail is both the most sought after, the most holy singular item. Like that's what it's supposed to be. But then the right. question is how much of it is actually defined by the desire of the person to own the thing? You know, like, like I hear what Joe's saying, which is basically like it should actually not be entirely about your desire, but about how rare the item is. But then that makes it weird and elitist, which isn't always a bad thing, but to say that it can't just be by how much you want it. So um, what I've done is I've created a classification system. I sent it to both of you. Did you guys have a chance to look at it? <laughs> I did not. Oh, okay. Well, you, you might or might not like this. Um, but but we are, <laughs> we're suffering from grail inflation. Um, <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm a teacher, and I've, I just had to give everyone A's because that's what you have to do when you teach. Um, so my idea is this that we identify that a grail is a grail because people really want it and they think it's like the thing that will make their collection better, right? 
But if we can start to put modifiers on that to define the different kinds of grails, then that way people can feel free to define things as grails. And then we can feel free as elitists to tell them what level of grail it is. <laughs> Here's what I came up with. Steve, I, I previewed this earlier, but I'm just going to go for it. Is yes. that cool? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I've divided grails into four categories. So the top category is what I call the absolute grail. Now, in order for something to be an absolute grail, there has to be only one possible. So there's not even a chance that there would be another kind. The next level is what I call a virtual grail, which means there's only one known, which there's in the realm of possibility of there being another, but as of now, there's only one known. One step below that is a rare grail, which is one of a few. So anywhere I'd say between 10 to 100, or you know, three to 100 of something. Like, like say a rocket yeah, fat. Like a rocket fat. Yeah. Ideal example. Right. And then yeah. what I call the common grail, which is one of many. So it can be something that's where it's super personal. And that way you don't have to like poop on everybody for calling a, a, a DT Luke a grail, right? For some people that's a grail. It's common but it's a grail because of how much they want it. So, um, so the way I was thinking about like explaining this is, is like for, I just took Chewbacca as an example. So an absolute grail, only one possible, that would be the Chewbacca sculpt, right? The uh, Gus has mm -hmm. the wax sculpt. And you can't possibly have a second authentic sculpt of Chewbacca's torso, right? So, so that, right. no. that's the absolute grail. And then there's like a virtual grail. But there could have been, there could have been, a, there could have been a wax cast that made, in fact, in-house as well. Right, but the actual thing that the actual artist put the actual, I don't know, weird little metal object to, there's only going to be one of that. <laughs> too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there could yeah. be other things like it, but nothing like that. And I would say the similar thing like a piece of photo art. Like, there could be alternate photo art or whatever it is. Like, actual, only one known. And then there's a virtual grail. And the example I give of that would be like a 47 back proof of Chewbacca. So there's one known. No one's ever known if there being two examples of one. But theoretically, who... There, there could be Exactly. More, yeah. Someone might turn one up. It's possible. That's still like a super grail piece for me. And, and I'll get it from Derek eventually. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, <laughs> and then like a rare grail would be one of a few. So I would say like a Toll Toys Chewbacca. You know, like a 12 back Toll Toys. I mean... I've only, I've never seen one for sale. I'm sure there's four or five out there that I've seen, but I mean, that's like really hard to get. And then a common grail, I would say is like a 1232 back, you know, with a sticker on the back, there's a hundred of them, but I just never want to pay the money. Um, or, mm -hmm. or a three pack, yeah. like a Chewbacca three pack. Like I just, that's just a question of money. So, so that, that's my, my classification. The, the final joke that I do is that absolute grails are only one possible. So those are oops. Virtual grails are only one known, so those are ooks. Rare grails are one of a few, so those are oofs. And common grails are one of many, those are ooms. So, <laughs> you know, because the vintage hobby needed, a, it's been a while since we've had a new classification. You need more clarification system. Of yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, oh, is that, a, is that an oop ood or is that an ook ood? Because in the ooods, there's a lot of. <laughs> There's no oom um ooze, oh. but there are plenty of oof ooze. And that, okay, all right, I'm I'm done. <laughs>
uh, when clarification systems get taken too yes, far. Yes, when they get too far. So, <laughs> so not only are we going to put that up on our Facebook page and on the blog, blog, blog somewhere, uh, I'm going to try and hit up the, the, the groups because I want to put this forward so that we can t actually talk about what grails actually are because... But every collector is going to have their own idea of it. Right. You know, mm -hmm. my, my personal idea of what a grail is and should be, yeah, unfortunately, may come across as elitist to some people. And, um, you know not my intent it's you know right just based on a lifetime of collecting you know where my mindset is on it. so that's why we're talking to joe iglesias the master of the ook and the oop absolute and virtual grails of bootleg collecting <laughs> he is the original bootleg overlord of the hobby and he's here to talk about the absolute grail of this uzai Stormtrooper, I, you know, Joe, I heard Yehuda told me that, that you were making this post and that you were doing something really big. And so I've intentionally not looked at any of the pictures and I don't know anything, what it is that you're talking about. So what is this grail that you found? What, what is it? Before you tell us how you got it, tell us what it is. Okay, well, what it is, it is a mock-up of an Uze Hoth Trooper on a completely different uh, card than we've ever seen on an, for an Uze. It was the only one that survived from the fact that SB Products Factory when Lev bought everything in the, in the 90s and brought everything back in the early 90s. And it was in Lev's hands until he sold it to Lenny Lee, Lenny Lee, the former um, owner of Lee's Action Figure News Magazine. Okay, so, so now, we're, now, now we're getting the chain of, of, of passage, so we'll get to that in a second. But let, let's just, can you mind if I just go back one, one second then? Oh, okay. sorry. So then you're saying it's, uh, okay, so then, first of all, it's Uzai, Joe, not Uze. You may have the collection, but, but we're, we're the pronunciation <laughs> Nazis. Um, so, so it's a mock-up, so meaning the, the, the bootleg factory called SB Products in uh, Ankara, what, what town, anyway, somewhere in Turkey, uh, Istanbul. Okay, so in Istanbul, uh, used to be Constantinople. Uh, in Istanbul, this factory made a mock-up of their bootlegs. That's really wild. I mean, to think that they put that much care in it. And how does it differ from other Uzai packaging? Um, well, instead of having the Uzai logo on the front, it has Star Wars logo on the front, slightly modified, but still says Star Wars on it instead of Uzai, and it doesn't have... Um, all the names on the card back themselves are spelled correctly. Wow. So, so usually yeah. on the back of Uzai, it has a little, it's all has, funny spelled. It's like A driver and Chu Aka and stuff like that. So they're all spelled correctly. Wow. Which is probably their interesting way, you know, that they changed them for the ones that produced to avoid uh, copyright infringement. Not that there was any doubt as to who these characters were, but <laughs> I guess they felt misspelling the names would protect them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then, who who are they making this mock up for? I mean, if we're, if we're going back to what eighty eight was that when when Uzai's were made around then? Yes. So then, who is this? It was, who's it made for? It was probably made for them to decide what they were going to release to the to the public. It was just them deciding the card back design that they were going to release. Okay. And then, has any other pre production? I know that you have the molds of the Uzai figures, but has any other like two D pre production stuff popped up from Uzai? Nothing. In fact, uh, the two brothers whose uncle did all the photography for SB Products, um, he passed away. The, uh, the man himself that did the photo art um, passed away a few years ago, and his two uh, 
nephews are on online and they can't, they don't have. He said there was. They said they both said there's nothing left. Wow. Mm. Okay. So then, wow. So Steve, have you seen this thing? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So there, there's a yeah. This this Star Wars logo on the front. I mean, it also has like the the double racetrack, like a like a twelve back, which that's not on the final cards, right? It's just single single border. Um, and then it's got this yellow kind of banner, like almost like a special offer looking thing on the lower right corner that says "Action Mechanic Robots." <laughs> Action Mechanic Robots. Yes. This is, see, this is really exciting. Not having seen it, Steve. Like you guys are describing it to me. I'm trying to picture what it looks like in my head and. <laughs> Action mechanic yeah. robots, like a yellow banner. Yeah, yeah, yes. like a like a special offer, almost looking thing. That that, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is just amazing. And then on the back too, um, you know, like you said, all the characters are spelled correctly. And also, there's kind of like a unique Return of a Jedi logo on the back too, where they they take. It looks like you know what would have been for. Uh, you know, it just looks different. It's got, uh, it's in English, but it's not the, the Jedi logo that would be on the, the Kenner packaging. So it's, it's its own thing, which is really, really cool. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So, so then let's, let's, I'm just going to go kind of like slow mo you back, Joe. Well, slow mo Joe back. Um, to go back to what <laughs> you said about Lev buying out the factory. So, I think you've mentioned him back in 2012 when you're on the episode before. Um, but who is Lev, and what is his relationship to the bootleg Turkish Uzai toys? Well, Lev is the owner of Toy Tokyo. Okay, um, great guy, good friend. Um, he went over to Turkey in the early 90s and bought, literally bought out every figure that was at the factory at the SB Products factory. Wow, and. According to him, brought them down from the uh, mountain that the factory was on, that the house that the factory was in is on, on donkey back down the hill, down the mountain. <laughs> donkey back? <laughs> yep, he was on a donkey. Wow. He was riding a donkey down a mountain uh, with boxes of uh, Uzai figures. And, um, and is that basically where, is that where all of the Uzai figures that are on the market came from most? What, what do you think? I'd say probably about two thirds of the card the Uzais that are in uh, people's collections came from Lev's buyout or find or whatever you choose to call it. Okay, and the, the other ones just came from random, like maybe toy stores and random sources in Turkey and people that just saved them. Stores that didn't sell them. I know that one of the carded headmans that is out there came from a Turkish immigrant family that emigrated to Germany, and a friend of mine in Germany just happened to look into them and found them and bought it. You know, there's a million different ways that uh, things uh, get spread around the world as far as uh, toys are concerned. And But Lev is probably, like I said, responsible for a good two-thirds of them that are out there. Wow, okay. So then, all right, so we're, we're, we're back on the trail, Steve, of this, uh, was it Robot Mechanic? What is it again? <laughs> Action Mechanic Robots. Action Mechanic Robots? Okay, so we're yes. back on the trail of this absolute grail Action Mechanic Robots, Lev puts it on a donkey, takes it down, goes to New York to the fabulous store, Toy Tokyo, in New York City. And is this the point where you become aware of it, Joe? Is this, what, what, why, why was it so hard to find? Because if you've been looking for it for 20 years, how, what, what happens next to it? 
Well, what happens next to it is Lev sells it to Lenny Lee, the owner of Action Figure News. Okay, Action Figure um, News. So if, if you're an internet kid. And toy review. Right. If you're an internet kid right. and you've never like bought a magazine for toys, um, there used to be like three or four toy magazines. And there was Toy Fair, which is for new toys and for nerds like me. I love Toy Fair. Um, and then there was like Lee's Action Figure Digest and Tomart's. No, no, that was that was Tomart's okay. action figure. Tomart's action figure digest and Lee's. Wait, what was it called again? Action figure toys news and review. Okay, and, and these right. were like right. poorly written but jam packed with good information. And if you ever get a chance, like find some old school collector and say, "Hey, can I see some of your old toy magazines?" Like, ask me if you ever hang out with me, and like you can look at this, and they're they're just wild to see all of these really rare pieces and 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 also the strange low prices. So he sells it to Lee of Lee's Action Figure Toys News Review Digest magazine. <laughs> yeah, Lenny, Lenny had it for a few years. Um, I became aware of it towards the end of Lenny having it when I was working on a deal with um, Tom Derby to get my carded headman and to finish my basic Jose run. Or Uzai, excuse me. Um, and wait, wait. So, so you, so you finished uh, your Uzai run by getting a headman, and there's only at that point there was only two headmans known. Headmen. Um, at that point, there were um, two of them that Lenny had brought back with him, known to exist. Okay. And the location of the one that Lenny had brought back was unknown at that point in time. Mm, wow. Okay. okay. So, how did you end up buying the headman from Tom Derby? Um, well, I guess Tom had a client for a rocket set, and I had a J-slot rocket set that I'd bought and was amazingly bored with, because <laughs> no offense to those that the rocket set is a grail to, but it's one of the most underwhelming pieces I've ever owned in my life. <laughs> and they say you're an elitist, Joe. I don't know why. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> No, I honestly truly wanted one until I had one, and then when I got it, I was like, okay, this is cool. Do, and, do, do you remember what you paid for it? Um, the rocket yeah. set, it was, I know it was under 5,000 at that point. In time. Okay. So, so you traded that straight up for a headman. And I got a couple of other card to do as I was to finish my set in the deal. Wow. Wow. I, so yeah, a deal, a deal I've never once second guessed myself on or regretted in my life. No, <laughs> I, I imagine not. Cause what did the last headman sell for? Um, the last one that sold, I'm not at liberty to discuss what that went for because I just found out about it this past uh, this past week. But the last one that publicly went was that I could discuss um, was just a card back with open bubble that went for twenty five thousand. Right. So twenty five thousand, but that's still not a good trade for a rocket fet because you could still get more for a rocket fet than twenty five thousand. But you're still right, Joe. That was still the right side of the trade. You you won that trade ten times over. Well, that was that was once again that was just a, that was just a card back in a bubble that went. For oh, that's true. Yeah. There was right. no figure involved. That's true. It was an open one. The, you know, the, the sealed ones, you know, obviously will command a, a good a good portion more. But once again, I I can't really discuss what the last rocket set that I know. I mean, not rocket set, excuse me, the last headman I know of selling went for. Okay. So. Well, anyways, all right, cool. So so that was how you finished your set. That's that's a fun story. Steve, I think we could do like a fun, like, would you rather kind of situation. Because um, I think <laughs> you, could t you could learn a lot about a collector if you said, you know, you can't trade it. You have to have it for the rest of your life. What would you rather have, a sealed headman or a rocket fet? And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, what, what would you prefer, Steve? 
I would go for the headman for sure. Yeah, I just um, I, did, I just I'm, want to yeah. lose DT Luke. That's all. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, and I would take the photo art over both of it. Okay, so then Lee sells it, and how did how did you become aware of it? So just uh, Tom Derby just told you it existed. Um, there was a picture of it in um, a batch of stuff that he had sent me when we were discussing the trade to get the J spot and to get the headman into my collection. When, when he finally decided he was ready to broker his collection. Wow. That that's really, so like you just got all these pictures and, and you just see like this thing you'd never seen before. What, what year was that? That was in, I want to say late 98, early 99. Okay. Wow. So almost 20 years ago. Yes, exactly 20 years ago. Wow. Okay. So 20 years ago, you learned of this thing's existence. Okay. Whew. All right. All right. So then, then what happens, Joe? I'm getting all excited. Well, then, it, yeah, because it wasn't available in the deal that me and Tom were doing, I had gotten a hold of Lenny's email and emailed him direct. Um, I did not get a response. I found out, you know, through the, the sources that be that he had sold it. And throughout there, you know, then I just kind of went on with my collecting and it was always in the back of my mind that it was out there somewhere, but no one knew who had it. And I just kept buying other bootlegs and finding other, you know, gold pieces or minor grails, whatever you prefer to call them. And just really building, you know, the collection I wanted for myself. Right. And mid two thousands, me and Tom started talking about the piece again. He started going through like, his old emails and photos and trying to figure out who had this piece and all the leads that we came up with all were complete dead ends. Mm. Wow. That's weird. Cause I mean, it wasn't that long ago that it was sold. Obviously it was like within five years and everything just went cold. Everything went cold. There were a few people that, you know, out of all the people that we thought it could have been, there was one that we couldn't get a hold of. And we were thinking that if it actually had in this person, it was lost forever because this person disappeared off the face of the planet. And this person had been a prolific buyer from Tom as well as a big seller on eBay. And he just disappeared off the face of the earth. So um, we were really hoping it wasn't him. And luckily it wasn't him. So. Okay. And then, and then, yeah. so you just gave up and then what, what, what made things, what, what sparked the fire and the, heart of steve please start talking and then what sparked the fire and your, well, uh, okay, somebody well, talked i didn't i never really gave up okay. it just you know it just kind of went along with it went to the you know to the you know things in the back of my head that i'm always kind of ho ho hoping show up you know there's, there's a there's a short list of things that i know were produced that i there are no known examples of that i'm always hoping will show up mm -hmm. and yeah. You know, that was certainly one of them. And, you know, also I, you have to remark that this piece was also shown in Lee's AFN in their rare toy, rare show, yeah, toy showcase right. um, in the January uh, 2000 issue, which basically was, I think, was on the shelves in late 1999. Right. Okay. So then. Which is the first, the first published picture. Of it. Okay. So there, it was a published picture of it. So I could, I could have seen this thing if I were looking at more of those old magazines. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a it's a small it's a small picture, but it's there. Okay, although it, both those Lees and Tomarts are famous for being super litigious of scanning their images and putting them online. 
but now that I think neither of them exist anymore, I think we can probably go ahead and do that sometime, Steve. <laughs> okay. All right. So then, then how, how did it then pass on to like, how did you get it? What, what, what happened? Um, well, I, a few months ago, I, you know, doing my normal routine, not really, you know, thinking much about it. I get, I miss a phone call from Tom, Tom Darby, for those that don't know, he's a, he runs uh, collectibles investment brokerage. He's a great guy, good friend of me as well as to the overall community. And, and he, he's and like the, he's anyway. the toy finder to the stars. Like he's, he's the guy who, when, when someone's a famous millionaire and they want something, they talk to him and he finds it for them. And he's like, or if they're just, yeah. Or if they're just friends of his or whatever, like he is like the guy who finds and can make things appear for you. If you're looking for like grail items, I, I know I asked him for help once 13 years ago and he didn't respond. And so I just gave up. I should, I should probably be more, uh, be more <laughs> persistent. I was looking for one of those GDE uh, uh, Chewies. That's what you call a, a virtual grail. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose I should be as persistent as Joe was because I know he's a nice guy. Everyone tells me he's a nice guy, but I, I just like tried once and then, and then stopped. So, so he contacted you, Joe, and, and, and you missed the call and you called him back. No, I missed the call and then I get a text message from him. Ah. It was the first text message I've gotten from him in a little, quite a while. He's like, the text message is mad. Yeah, the text message read, I found the Uze prototype. Wow. <laughs> All it said. And uh, needless to say, my heart, my heart starts racing, and, you know, I'm in this state of, you know, surre you know surreal bliss as I'm like, okay, this piece finally surfaced. Right. And, and at the same time, I'm wondering if I can afford it. Right. And, and your job is you, you're a piercer, right? So were you like piercing somebody's belly button yeah. like by mistake, like you pierce their nipple or something or? Uh, no, okay. no. I was probably, you know, sterilizing jewelry or doing some cleanup at the, when I saw the text, I usually don't look at my cell phone while I'm with right. Christ. Okay. So. I, I know you don't, Joe. I just thought it was a funny image of you, of you reading the thing. I got the yeah. and then cha-chink and then it's, I imagine that's the sound it makes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad. It, I'm probably glad it wasn't busy that afternoon because my hands were probably shaking a little right. bit from just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so then, then you didn't know if you could be able to afford it, and and how how did it end up that you that you felt comfortable getting it? Like, did you have to like trade anything or sell anything, or are you open to talk about what you actually had to do in order to to get out no, of his I'll, hands? Well, um, yeah. The first couple of weeks, um, we were. Still discussing what the price, final price would be with the owner because Tom was brokering it. Um, we came up with a price that you know we felt was was right for it. Um, not going to discuss that, you know, the actual price. That's you know neither here nor there at this stage in the game. Right. Um, we'd worked out a payment plan that I, if I had decided to make it take forever to get this in my hands, I could have done. But I sold. Another equally rare piece. Uh, I sold the mold to the Uzai Chewbacca figure, uh, which I'm sorry, Scott. No, it's okay. You, you've you've had it for a long time, and you've you've offered it to me at a reasonable price. And uh, I I I just don't. I I thought about it, but I thought about all the things I could buy instead of that over the span of a decade, and I decided that I would rather those things, the potential of those things, than the reality of that thing. But the thing is awesome. But that was that was sold. Uh, 
the money went directly to Tom just to make it easier for everybody so I didn't get tempted and spend it on something else. <laughs> and uh, then I just had to wait until I had the time to fly down to Atlanta to pick it up. Wow. So you actually went all the way down to Atlanta. You didn't take a mule, a donkey? <laughs> no, no donkeys involved. Just uh, just a Delta uh, airplane and a, <laughs> in a uh, hard shell uh, carry-on case. Wow. Yeah, God, I just imagining like the the nerves that, that I would have had on that whole trip. Oh God. Yeah. Well, I also That's... brought down my carded headman, my carded blue stars. Oh jeez. Um, the, Pol- the Polish black hoff trooper and one of my imperial gunners to get um, new cases made for them as well. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, it was very nerve wracking because I was so scared of them saying. The passengers, hey, we're gonna have to check their carry-ons. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll be sitting and waiting for the next flight if that happens. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, Joe. Well, that's a that's a pretty good way to get to get a brick back through your window. Um, a pretty exciting story. Hey, maybe if you want to just do just a, a quick little uh, recap on our next episode of the bootleg of every single Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi figure, uh, we could uh, we, we could do that. And thank you for sharing this and not being a black hole collector and letting everyone know about it. And, and being the, the true unveiling of an absolute grail in every sense. It's the only one possible. It's the only one known as well, for that matter. You've been looking for it for a long time. And, uh, and it's, it's fun because the last one of these we did was with Bill about the 45 back uh, C-3PO's. And, and right, that was funny right. because that went from an absolute, like it went from not existing to only one known to one of a few within the span of a week. Um, right. I don't think that's going to happen with this, Joe. I don't think that we're going to have uh, four to six. No. <laughs> so. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me, guys. And uh, I'll talk to you all, all right. soon. See you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. All right. Well, that was good, Steve. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, overdue is not doesn't even <laughs> begin to... to to cover it, I cannot believe it's been that long since since we had Joe on. That 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 scares me, and not just the timeline of the podcast, but just the timeline of life. Timeline like, of life. It well, does not the, seem right. The good news is I could just be wrong too. So, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. But let's let's uh, hope for that, but not hope too hard. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yeah. And I'm. Uh, did you see the little graphic I did for the Grail classification system, Steve? I have not seen the graphic. Yet, oh man, no. you gotta check. Open up your 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 dang email, man. Uh, yeah, I, I made like a, I made a whole little diagram. Like here. a like a periodic table. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Like trying to get this out there because I I think it's useful. You know, we we were talking about this earlier, Steve, and I, I called you as leaving work. That we we really tried to get the different kind of focus collectors terminology going. Yeah, it was too stupid. Like I was dumb. Like coming up with focus collectors, F A U X. That's just a French professor who's gone mad. This is totally approachable, and I, I think we can do it. <laughs> All oh, right, Steve. Yes. Well, let, let's record next week when I'm back from the Star Wars less uh, Switzerland. Right. I'm yeah. going to buy everything that I see that says Star Wars on it, and we'll see what I come back with. <laughs> well, good luck. Good luck yes. with the talk too. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we don't right. we don't say anything cool at the end of these no. short episodes. Nine blog logs in the pod. Is this the nine one? Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you because I would have just numbered it wrong. <laughs> hey, we got that covered. <laughs>